Hello everyone, my name is Owen and welcome to my channel, History Geek. In today's episode, we are going to be starting off by introducing my new series, The History of the Vikings. But before we begin, there are a few things I'd personally like to address. Number one, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who has supported me this far and kept asking about where this podcast was or when it was going to be posted. For those of you who don't know, I sent out an, an inquiry asking my friends and family if they might be interested to listen to a podcast I wanted to create. I mentioned a few topics and areas of study that I was interested in, and to be honest, guys, the response was overwhelming. So thank you again. It's been pretty amazing to start off this journey, and I want to see how far this goes. To kind of explain why it's taken so long, well... I have been working a full-time job, and it's based on shift work, so my sleep schedule is off, and I was trying to adjust to the new job. But in all honesty, the first few months when I announced it, I was just lazy. I didn't really feel like working on it. My motivation was way down. But hopefully with the summer here, and I guess my priority set straight, I want to see if I can actually get this up and running. The second thing I'd like to address is... I'd like to let everyone know that all of the research, the information, and any other things that I talk about on here is from my own efforts outside of any university, institution, or funded program. With that being said, I have no problem with any of my listeners correcting my mistakes because I know there will be a few. I'll also encourage you to let me know if I've overlooked any critical evidence throughout my readings, but please do have patience with me because, like I said, I am working that full-time job, so the free time to research, uh, write a script, rewrite it, edit it, then record, edit that, find a way to upload this for this entirety of the project, it's kind of limited to a couple days in the week, if not a couple hours, so please have patience. Another point I'd like to make is that sometimes... I'll have to make a judgment call on what I think should be included and what should be left out of this podcast. I'm not trying to make this as detailed or critical as possible because I want to keep listeners interested, providing an entertaining podcast for those who haven't studied Viking history, for example. The third and final thing, I promise this is the final, uh, <laughs> the thing I'd like to address is the timeline. So the timeline that I will primarily focus on for this podcast starts around the 8th century and ends up around the 12th. I understand that some of you wish to look at the repopularization of Vikings, which led to various misconceptions and romanticized ideas of Viking culture during the 19th century. However, I did not feel that this was what I really wanted to work on, and I felt it would become too discombobulated comparing what is fact and what is not from where previous historians went wrong, etc. I am interested as to why this took place, and who knows, perhaps one day I'll have a two-part series discussing the impacts that this had on our general public knowledge of the Vikings today. Alright, enough of the introductions and disclaimers, let's just begin. The Vikings were one of the most impactful societies in Europe throughout what is commonly known as the Middle Ages. The Vikings would dominate in coastal trade, conquer various territories, and navigate farther than any European civilization at the time. Some would venture as far as Iraq, Baghdad, in the Middle East, while others would journey far across the Atlantic and land on the coast of Canada. So, technically speaking, it was the Vikings, not Columbus, who were the first Europeans to discover North America, but whatever. 
Eventually, the Vikings would occupy large areas of northern France, England, Ireland, Iceland, and Germany. They would also become the overlords of the Kievan Rus. Some of these occupied territories would see permanent settlements and cultural integration where the descendants of Vikings would surprisingly become very influential players in the following centuries. Although they had lots of success and fame, one of the downsides for this civilization was the lack of permanence and unity. There were several factors for their decline. For example, the amalgamation of Christian faith into their Viking religion, or perhaps the profits from international trade resulting in less need for raids, and turn to other cultural practices. I will explore more of this in detail, about the many reasons why the Viking Age declined after such a short time. However, for now, all I can do is just offer these two suggestions. The Vikings were not particularly known for their literature, so when it comes to their history and their legacy, a lot of the primary sources that we have surrounding their lives, written in documents during their expansion, can often be obscured by bias and misinformation. This mainly occurred because those who did write about them were sometimes rivals, or people outside with a different perspective looking in, and most of the time it was just chroniclers and historians born centuries later. Although Vikings didn't master lengthy codices and volumes which other civilizations would, the Vikings were excellent poets, songwriters, and storytellers. Much of their historical perspective was passed down through a mix of oral history and written tales that would eventually be collected and written down by historians later on. Some of them were written in the 12th and 13th century. This collection, if you want to call it a collection, of what I consider to be classified as Viking literature would also be known as the sagas. The most famous of the sagas would be the Sagas of the Icelanders. Other famous ones which are heard about today are the Saga of Ragnar Lothbrok, Egil's Saga, the Saga of Eric the Red, and his son's saga, Leif Erikson's. Another incredible source which focuses on Viking mythology is Snorri Sturluson's Edda, or Younger Edda, which describes the Vikings' idea of the birth of the universe, the different gods such as Odin, Tyr, Freya, Baldr, Loki, Thor, Heimdall, etc. It also describes the end of the world, which they termed as Ragnarok. In any case, this is where we must dissect a lot of Viking culture for their socio-political structure and their spiritual religious beliefs to understand them. Much like the historians in, who study ancient Greece, they turn to sources like the Iliad or the Odyssey, knowing full well that they are fictional, but they must determine what the values and morals are and what the epic poems meant to the Greeks at the time. So with this, we have to keep in mind that not everything in the sagas are true, but what they meant mattered to those people. The reasons why some historians tend to deem the sagas as one of the most important sources in Viking literature is because of the complex stanza structures and the rhyming schemes that they used. Apparently, 
it's incredibly difficult to replicate most of these songs, if you will, uh, both in its own language and in other languages like English. So when a certain saga talks about a legendary hero or some significant individual, we can assume that these poems, these songs, must have been created close to or indeed during the lives of these people. Again, they're just songs probably paid for by the people that they're singing about or by various lords who are very wealthy. Apart from written sources, I would tend to argue that some of our most crucial evidence as historians that we have regarding the Vikings stems from archaeological finds, such as grave sites, treasure hordes, shipwrecks, raids, and settlements. One particularly fascinating article that I read discussed the origins of nodal points throughout the various nations like Denmark and Norway and Sweden. So in the Danish and Norwegian regions, for example, prior to the urbanization of Scandinavians in the Viking Age, it described how these nodal points or these excavation sites that they found proved that long-distance trade of these early settlements would exchange goods by its own rules and did not necessarily support existing political power structures in place, either further south or within the realm, of the, the region, sorry, that it was in. So let's just back up here. I want to explain something before we get into the meat of this. So for starters, let's talk about the name Viking and where it came from. According to particular text, Readings in Medieval Civilizations and Cultures, the Viking Age, edited by Somerville and MacDonald, their interpretation of the word came from an Old Norse term, vikinger, I believe that's how it's pronounced. It's just Viking with an R at the end and a couple accents. What Viking meant to them, or vikinger, means a seaborn pirate or a raider. Technically, to be a Viking meant that you were a specific individual who raided as a seasonal or part-time job. It may not have always been necessary for the Scandinavians to raid, but it did provide supplementary wealth, resources, experience, contact with others, and even slaves for their civilization. I say seasonal or part-time job because originally most of the Vikings were fishermen, Farmers, merchants, traders, etc. Like many medieval and early modern cultures, their lives are dedicated to growing, harvesting, trading, working throughout different seasons of the year. However, when I did some more digging on why they're called Vikings, I found an 11th century chronicler named Adam of Bremen, who was a German monk located in, you guessed it, Bremen, uh, well, I say German, but he wasn't actually German. There's no nation as Germany at the time. It would have been under a vassal state, part of the Carolingian Empire, which I will go into that another episode, perhaps. But anyway, regardless, they actually didn't call them Viking. They called them Ascomani, which in today's English means Ashmen. This was an account for their ash wooden ships that they had sailed in. The Slavs and Byzantines, further east in today's Belarus, Ukraine, Romania, Greece, Turkey, 
called the Vikings Varangians. Another term they used was Rus, due to their descent from regions further north in the Rus territory, which is known as today's northern Russia. The Anglo-Saxons, or early British kingdoms, called the Vikings Wisingas. Over time, the common term for these raiders would typically fall under the categories of Northmen, Norsemen, or Danes. Christian powers, particularly ones that were upset with the Vikings, often referred to them as heathens, pagans, and much worse. Alright, back to the history. Let's talk about timeline now. When did the Vikings start? Well, when it comes to the very first Vikings, most historians talk about going back to around the 500 CE, possibly 600 CE, where the Saxons, the Angles, the Jutes, uh, Frisians, Jeets, Danes, all of them immigrated to the British Isles. Uh, this is during the decline of the Roman Empire, where we can find the first evidence of chieftains hosting large celebrations in great halls in styles which the Vikings would continue to use in later centuries. However, when it comes to the first Viking invasions of Anglo-Saxon England, most historians do point to the invasion of the Holy Island of Lindisfarne in 793 CE. Although there are both written and archaeological evidence that prove earlier raids taking place in monasteries throughout the Irish and Scottish regions, the beginning of the Viking expansion really is credited to this because of how impactful this raid was. The attack on Lindisfarne is probably, if not the most famous Viking raid. Lindisfarne, at this point in history, was under the protection of Northumbria. Northumbria was one of seven Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, which made up England. Wales and some parts of Scotland were controlled by native populations of the Britons, the Welsh, uh, Picts, Scots, and some leftover descendants of Roman legions. I can't really remember the term, they're what they're called, but they were there. Anyway, the other regions outside of these seven kingdoms were not really considered part of the Anglo-Saxons. Ireland was actually a lot worse when you compare its divisions of power and the territories. I can't even begin to describe how violent and insane their history is before the Vikings. So what were the names of the seven kingdoms? Well, we know the first one, where the Abbey of Lindisfarne was located, Northumbria. But there was also Mercia, East Anglia, Essex, Kent, Sussex, and the most powerful of them all would be Wessex. So going back to the invasion of Lindisfarne in 793, we have the Vikings landing on the beaches of the island. The Vikings were terrifying to the Northumbrians, unforgiving and ruthless, as they pillaged the town and the surrounding abbey. They quickly looted any precious metals and valuables, murdering hundreds of men and women. Also, I'm sure there were a few slaves captured and taken aboard the Viking ships before they left. The raid itself took place on the 8th of June, and according to sources, it was a temperate day, wet with dew and fog, where the sun peered through clouds, and apparently foreboding omens came over the land of Northumbrians, and there were excessive whirlwinds, lightning, fiery dragons. This is all seen in Alfred the Great's Hall, where they did a history of Anglo-Saxons, and there's also letters from St. Alcyon, who was in Charlemagne's court, who talked specifically about how the Northumbrians brought the calamity 
of the Vikings upon themselves. What made Lindisfarne so memorable was because it was a religious monastery, a Christian monumental holy island that was attacked. And typically, when nations fought each other, whether they're from Francia or Anglo-Saxon, even the Irish knew never to attack Christian monasteries because basically most of Europe had been Christianized throughout this time. If any of you are fans of the History Channel series Vikings, I must admit I personally think that their reenactment of this event is so pleasing to watch. Despite any of the historical inaccuracies, which I won't go into, I just found that they did a wonderful job capturing how I can imagine there was a tension in the atmosphere and how the cultures clashed at that point. For those who haven't seen the show and are curious as to what I'm talking about, I'm sure if you simply Google search or YouTube search Lindisfarne Vikings, it'll be one of the first links. After the invasion of Lindisfarne, there were several more invasions and raids that took place throughout the British Isles, but also in northern France, in Germany, and today's Netherlands. Uh, the Viking kings, lords, and vassals saw plenty of bounty in their halls. The strategy that the Vikings used for raiding was quite difficult for local authorities and powers to defend against. At any point along your coast, they could land, unpack, and raid a village or a town, and eventually, large cities, with minimal to no warning. Once the Vikings had finished their looting, they were leaving almost as quickly as they had come. The time to rally forces to defend against these targeted areas often were unsuccessful at first. This led to nobles and lords, or vassal authorities who had money, to begin to build fortifications, castles, or strongholds to protect their serfs, their people, their valuables, everything. Kings were not particularly happy that their kingdoms were starting to become more divided into local territories, that these lords and nobles had started to gain more strength to oppose the king's divine authority. One particular king, especially that is brought up over and over again, is King Ayla. King Ayla is the king of Northumbria at the time of the Lindisfarne invasion, and he is also the... King Ayla is the king responsible for killing the famous legendary hero known as Ragnar Lothbrok. And I think that's where I'm going to leave it today. Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, the following heathen invasion. That is all going to be next episode. I think I'm also going to talk a little bit more about the legal systems of the Viking culture and maybe a bit more about how their society was structured. I tried to do my best today, and I think I did a good job of summarizing some points. I might have gone too detail on others. I would love to hear your feedback. Please don't be afraid to comment. This is History Geek, Episode 1.